I want to just uh, introduce our speaker this morning, Welton Bonner, uh, born in Washington, D.C., grew up uh, as I did as a, as a PK, a pastor's kid, uh, so he's, he's kind of probably kind of messed up like I am as well. Uh, didn't come to faith until he was uh, 18 years old. He'll share a little bit about his, his story when, when Jesus really drew him to himself and made Welton a new creation in, in Christ, and so his, his story is really amazing and inspiring. He's married to his wife, Casey, who is sitting beside him this morning. They have four kids, Elijah, Torah, Moses, and Eden is in the oven due to arrive um, sometime soon. And so they have their hands full. And they are going to be planting Eastside Community Church, the east side of Washington, D.C., across the river in one of the tougher areas of Washington, D.C. But we are believing God for big things from Welton, Casey, their family, and Eastside Community Church. So New Life, would you join me in, get, in welcoming a Welton Bonner to the, the house this morning? Good morning, New Life. Oh man, y'all alive today. I like it. I love it. Well, it's so good to be here with you all. I am blown away by you all's faithfulness over the past 26 years, and I'm happy to be another part of you all extending the gospel to the ends of the earth, and it's just sweet. Uh, I met Rodney a few, about a little over a year ago, and he brought a team up and got to hang out with them and Cecily and some of the other brothers and sisters, and it was just that kindred spirit in the gospel was just evident. And so to be here and to hear the testimony of your church getting planted, it all makes sense now why that kindred spirit was so deep and real. Well, really briefly, um, I basically had the privilege of joining my father in planting a church in Deanwood, which is a place east of the river, set over seven years ago. Actually, it's been eight and a half years. And um, that was back in 2014 when they started. I was still in college at the time, but was helping as a part of the core team members. And then once me and my wife got married, we moved down from Lancaster, Pennsylvania to D.C. and joined the church plant six months in. And it was a wild ride, loved ones. It was beautiful. It was messy. Uh, but one of the things that I always felt was that we were like a newborn baby that was born too soon. And so it was like we never got the nutrients that we needed in the NICU, so to speak. And it was just evident to me for a long time, just I wish we could start over, I wish we could start over. Well, they, they ended up asking me to become the lead pastor and it became clear to me that if we were gonna do this, it was through wise counsel and prayer and answer prayer and just a lot of confirmation. The Lord just made it clear, if we were gonna do this well, we actually needed to start over from scratch. And so I kind of made it a bundle deal. If y'all want me to be your lead pastor, we need to shut down Greater Love Church, join a healthy church for a season, get poured into, and then get sent back out. And for, it, it had to be God. Uh, they voted for me to be their pastor, 17 to 1. And the next, the next Sunday, we had our last service. And that's what you see 
Um, that was March 13th, 2022. And by God's grace, uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, which is about five blocks away from Capitol Hill, um, they took us in and have loved us so well. I'm on staff there, about to be voted in as one of the assistant pastors, so that then I could be sent out as one of their pastors, Lord willing, in the coming year or two. And so you all are helping us get a solid footing in the community so that we can live in the community and live where we proclaim. And so I, I just want to thank you all for your partnership in the gospel, and I count it a privilege to be here with you. And what you see on the other side is what we do once a month. We call them theology brunches, where we take a section out of our future doctrinal statement. And we basically walk through it and talk about how our doctrine will inform our ministry east of the Anacostia River to the ends of the earth. Because that's why we exist, is to raise the dead to life in union with Christ east of the river to the ends of the earth. And by dead, we mean disobedient, empty, aimless, and destructive, D-E-A-D. And, <laughs> and by life, we mean learning sound doctrine, intimacy with Jesus, fellowship with the saints, Equipping for Eternity, L-I-F-E. And so that's the game plan, and I'm so happy to be here. Now that my story's out the way, let's get into the Word. Y'all ready? Yeah. Let's do it. So turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. The title of this message is Impressed by the Gospel Alone impressed by the gospel alone. Please pray with me. Father, you are eternal, immeasurable, and you share that perfect glory with your Son and your Spirit from all eternity. And yet, Lord, you and your great love you chose to save a people like us for yourself. It's a gift we don't deserve. We could never earn, and yet you've given it to us generously in your son, Christ Jesus. Lord, I need your help to lift him high. And Lord, I pray for New Life Community Church that they would lift you high for 26 more years, all the way to your son returns. May this sermon be just another deposit to that end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever been impressed by the wrong type of people? And maybe even for the wrong reasons. Well, growing up, I was impressed by the neighborhood drug dealers who had a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of respect, a lot of ladies, and I compared that to my father's life, who, though a very godly man and served the church relentlessly and loved his wife deeply and his family well, I counted that as less important in comparison to just the material gain. And so I remember at about 13 years old, just kind of committing my life to my sin and my idols, and I ran full-fledged after those things. And see, the thing about who you are impressed by is that 
it can actually be destructive if it, you're impressed by the wrong people. And so that's what ended up happening to me, and it landed me, dropped out of school, and, and, and just very promiscuous and addicted, and, and, and ended up in jail for the fourth time. But praise be to God, that's right where Jesus arrested me and show me that he really is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. And so at 18 years old, I entrusted my life to Jesus in that cell, and I was, I was brand new. Now, praise God for that. So it's a shock that I'm here preaching God's word, but, but see, the word of God had a great impression on me, and it showed me that Jesus was more impressive than any treasure. Let me ask you, what have you been impressed by lately? Well, this problem of being impressed by the wrong things is not a new problem. It turns out that it's an ancient problem. The church in Corinth that the Apostle Paul had planted, they had the same problem. They were being impressed by these so-called super apostles who had these letters of recommendation that could, you know, uh, broadcast their credentials, and they had great rhetoric, and they had impressive lives, and they did not get uh, arrested and locked up and, and beaten all the time, like the founder of the Corinthian church. And so the Corinthians were being impressed by the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And so this morning, I have three points from this text that we hold in our hands that Paul was writing to this church to help them be impressed by the right things. And so number one, we need to, we, we, my first point is don't be impressed by the flesh. Don't be impressed by the flesh. My second point will be be impressed by the gospel message. Be impressed by the gospel message. And my last point will be be impressed by gospel messengers be impressed by gospel message. Let's deal with point one. Don't be impressed by the flesh. Look at verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. See, the Corinthians were being impressed by false apostles. And so Paul, he kind of brings them back after showing, defending his ministry and showing why he didn't get discouraged in ministry in chapter 4 and showing what was the main motivation that y'all heard two weeks ago. It was the love of Christ that compels him to keep persevering in ministry. And now he's getting at what is the substance of his ministry? What is the content of his ministry, and, and so on the basis of what he said in verse ver, prior, he says, from now on, therefore, and so he's pointing back to verse 14 and 15 where he says that it's, it's that Christ died, the one died for all, so that they may no longer live for themselves, their own ambition, their own pride, their own vainglory, that they would no longer live for themselves, but him who died for them and was raised for them. And so Paul is taking that, that kind of, that idea, and he's carrying it over to this next point. That's why therefore is therefore. He says, on the basis of that, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
What that means is according to outward appearances. Because Christ died to set us free from this vain, self-seeking glory, we're not impressed by, by those that seek vainglory. That didn't save us, so we don't care about that any longer. And so Paul is saying that to help the Corinthians no longer be impressed by the flesh. And he's trying to help us out to this day. The Spirit wrote this for our instruction so that we would not be impressed by the wrong people. See, brothers and sisters, we live in a day and an age where everything is, is all about the bells and whistles. Everything is all about appearances, the Instagram, the, the TikTok, the, the, the social media, and even, even the first impressions. We are so regularly tempted to value things by their outward appearance. For Paul and them, it was the camel that that person may ride. For us, it may be the car that they drive or their pickup truck or whatever their preference is. See, that, those things are, are, are shallow things to base. They, they lack substance. And Paul is like, we no longer regard anyone that way. And he says, in fact, if we had did that, look at the rest of the verse, even though we once regarded Christ according to flesh, we regard him thus no longer. See, Paul was once a Pharisee who had regarded Christ according to the flesh. Jesus didn't look like no savior. He didn't look like he was going to beat no Rome. He looked, like, he looked like just some carpenter from Nazareth. What good could come from Nazareth? And yet he turned out to be the savior of the world. He was despised, rejected of men, one from whom men hide their faces. He would turn out to be he, the rescuer and redeemer of all of humanity that would turn and trust in him. Brothers and sisters, Paul is saying we don't regard Christ according to the flesh anymore the moment we're saved. So why would we regard one another? Why would we try to select our leaders based on false appearances? So brothers and sisters, where are you tempted to value people by their outward appearance? Maybe it's here among yourselves. Maybe you're able to look at other people and say, well, we don't have that much in common. Well, if you got Jesus in common, you have what matters the most in common. Or maybe you're tempted to value your leaders. You, well, Chris doesn't, he doesn't have Louis Vuitton or he doesn't have the, the clothes that I like or the haircut that I prefer or whatever it may be. Or maybe the elders, they don't do things. Maybe, maybe it's easy to value by outward appearance. But brothers and sisters, if they are sound in doctrine and sound in character, brothers and sisters, you have the greatest gift. You have faithful men that are going to shepherd and lead you. Don't judge them by outward appearance and don't put that pressure on them. You want to pray for them that they would be faithful and love sound doctrine. Value them by substance not appearance, brothers and sisters. Value your neighbors by substance, not appearance. Share the gospel, not based on how people look, but based upon what you know the Bible tells you about their soul. That's of substance. Don't be impressed by the flesh, brothers and sisters. But not only must we not be impressed by the flesh, secondly, we need to be impressed by the gospel message. Be impressed by the gospel message. See, we live in a society that spends billions of dollars on outward appearances. 
And I don't want to shame, you know, looking good, there's nothing wrong with it if you're looking good for the right reasons. If you're, if you're good and good things for the right reasons, enjoy. But our world has made an idol of those things, and they bow the knee to that, that bell all the time. And, and yet, they're trying to fix themselves, but they only end up more destructive than before. Their outward might be looking good, but their inside is rotten. Kind of like a house that got a fresh paint job, but it's full of asbestos and black mold. It doesn't need a paint job. It needs a complete renovation. And that's what we find we have in the gospel. That's what Paul says. This is why we need to be impressed by the gospel message. We need to be impressed that the gospel transformed. That's what we see in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you, do you hear that phrase, new creation? See, God promises to make all things new. Just read the book of Revelation. He's going to give us a new heavens, a new earth. But here's the thing. You, through faith in Christ Jesus, can become a part of that new creation right now. By having your inner man resurrected, because you were born spiritually dead, but God, through the gospel, can raise you to spiritual life. That is new life in Christ. That's new creation. Brothers and sisters, that's what we have in the, go in the gospel. And so, hey, I think about Rona. Sis, if you are going, I don't know where you at, where, where, wherever you are. Sis, you are going to face struggles in this life, you, but you are a new creation. You don't have to let your past determine your future. You don't have to let Satan's lies bring up your past and condemn you. And if you're a Christian in here, you don't have to listen to that condemning voice because Christ paid it all. And all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. You are new. Don't let that shame, that guilt condemn you. It doesn't matter what happened. Even if you were a Christian and you messed up, that, the blood of Jesus covers that too. You can keep running to Jesus because you are new. The Spirit of God lives in you. You are a new creation. But not only do we rejoice or are we impressed by the gospel message for how it transforms, but we also can be impressed by the gospel message because it's all of God's doing. It's all of God's doing. Look at verse 18, the first part of that. All this is from God. So you know what that means? That all of that ain't from you. <laughs> you ain't saved yourself. If it was left up to you, you would still be in your sin and dying and going to hell, facing God's wrath for all eternity, just like you deserve, just like I deserve. That is what we, that is what we were headed towards. But God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ Jesus, right? He loved us with a great love. And that is why we are new. It's all from God. See, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, plus nothing. We are saved by grace through faith. And, and, and that grace through faith will evidence itself by new life and transformation and bearing fruit. But the basis of our salvation is all from God. And praise God. Because if, if I ain't earn it, 
then that means I can never turn it away. If, he, if it is all God's doing, then that means I can't even mess it up. It's all God's doing. It's his grace, his unmerited favor. Not only, and that's what sets us apart from all other religions. And if you're not a Christian in here, let me say this. You will look and you will search high and low. And what you find is that all other religions base their, their way of getting you good and right by your works. But the Christian faith bases all, all of our salvation not on our works, but on God's work on our behalf. That is what makes Christianity so good. So if you are, if you are lost right now and you feel like, well, I could never get to God, I could never fix myself, well, hey, you're right. <laughs> you can't fix yourself. That's why the good news is so good. Is that he is willing to fix you. You don't have to fix you. It's like some people kind of had this mentality, like I have to fix myself before I go to God. But see, that's like somebody getting ran over by an 18-wheeler and then saying, oh, oh don't call the ambulance. I got to fix myself up before I go to the hospital. <laughs> nah, you, you need to call them so that they can fix you up, you see? That's the gospel. It's all of God's doing. It is not from ourselves. But not only it, it, are we impressed by the gospel because it's God's it can transform and because it's God's doing, but also because it reconciles. You see that also in verse 18. Look, all this is from God who through Christ, that is God the Father, through Christ, that is God the Son, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, to reconcile means to make enemies friends again, people who were at enmity and odds with one another, to bring them into friendship. All of humanity, we were born enemies of God. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home or not. You're, you were born an enemy of God, a rebel, deserving of just wrath for eternity. Yet God, the first person, God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, through the second person of the Trinity, sent him to live a perfect life that we could never live and, and pay the debt that we owe by dying as a substitute in our place and rising again from the grave. This God, through Christ, his son, in the spirit, reconciles us to himself, makes us friends again. You can become a friend with God through this gospel message and see that the friendship with God is the best of friendships because this, this friend will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will never forget you. He always remembers your birthday. He knows your birthday and he knows your death day and he knows the day he will bring you into his presence for all eternity. This God reconciles us to himself. And how did he do it? Well, I just said it. But, but notice that it's through the gospel that exchanges. And that's what we see in verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Well, who was it 
that knew no sin. That word knew is not like knew about, but it's a personal relationship. Who was it that never had a personal relationship with sin? There is only one. His name is Jesus. He lived the perfect life that we never could have. He always fulfilled the law, both, both positively, meaning he always did right, and negatively, he fulfilled the law by he never did wrong. He completed all of that. He knew no sin, but notice what it says. It says he became sin. No, it didn't say he became like sin. No, no, no. Paul is so graphic here. He says he became sin. It was as if Jesus became the very nature of sin itself on the cross. All of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our lies, all of our pain, all of our pride laid on him who never did none of it. And yet, he did that as an offering to exchange his life for you and me. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, here's the thing. When you get saved, you become that new creation. All of God's righteousness, not your own righteousness, is God's righteousness gets transferred to your account. That imputation, that divine reckoning of you as completely right with God. I'm talking about the, the very righteousness that Jesus had. It all got transferred on your account. So you are completely right with God the moment you believe in the gospel. If you do not know this Christ, I plead with you, trust in him today. And if you do know this Christ, I plead with you, don't take it for granted. How have you been impressed by the gospel lately? One of the best ways that you can be impressed by the gospel and cultivate that delight in the gospel is by reminding yourself and others of it regularly in your quiet time. Pray the gospel. That's how I try to do it. When I pray, I use the Lord's Prayer as my kind of outline, and I start, when I say that, our Father, I always try to remind myself, well, it's the only reason you can say that is because God the Father gave his only begotten Son for you. And that's my way of reminding me that I am reconciled to God, not by my works, but by God's work on my behalf. You can remind yourself by your prayers, your private, quiet times, but also we do that. That's why we gather here. That's why we come to church regularly. That's why we sing the songs we do that are gospel-centered songs. That's why we want to sing rich theology. Why? Because it reminds us of the gospel, not to get bored with it but to always remain impressed by the gospel. Those earthly things, they're going to fade away. But the gospel is forever. But not only should we be impressed by the gospel message itself, there's also a surprise here. We need to be impressed by the gospel messengers as well. The, the gospel ministry, I should say. Look at what Paul says. Notice he repeats it in verse 18. He says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who is the us? That is Paul and his compatriots. He's saying God gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Then in verse 19, he repeats it again. He says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation, message of reconciliation. And then it culminates in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
So I live in Washington, D.C., and I happen to ride past these embassies all the time. And at an embassy, what you find is that that little plot of land operates by the laws of another land, that home country. And the main person that lives in that house is, is a representative of that other nation. And Paul is saying that he and his compatriots and also the Corinthians that would follow after them and do the work of reconciliation, that all of us Christians who represent Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors. We are citizens of heaven who come to, who have been sent to earth to help others get reconciled to God. What a glorious occupation. You are not just a plumber. You are not just a teacher. You are not just a carpenter. You're not just a preacher. You are an ambassador for Christ. You get to represent him wherever you go. What a glorious occupation. You should be impressed by that. Not in a prideful way, but in a humbling, honoring way that makes you persevere against all odds. Because you know that one day the king is coming. And one day I'm going to have to give an account to my king. And if I represented him well, I get to hear those joyful words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Oh, what a glorious day of rejoicing that will be. And one way we can keep being impressed by the gospel message is by encouraging our pastors, man. Brothers and sisters, if you got a pastor, you got pastors, you got elders that are preaching you to you the gospel message, they're not bored with the gospel message, or they're fighting not to be, and week after week, they keep bringing Jesus. They keep lifting him high week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, and then they pass the baton to other faithful ones. Brothers and sisters, what a gift! Please don't evaluate them by surface stuff. Evaluate them by the gospel. Evaluate them by sound doctrine and sound living. And then also, brothers and sisters, not only should you be impressed by your pastors at their faithfulness to the gospel message when they're continuing in that, but also you should be impressed by your role because those pastors exist to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So you all, have that message of reconciliation that you get to use wherever you are. You could, be, you could be nine years old. If you're a Christian, if God has raised you from the spiritual dead to life, you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you can be an ambassador, ambassador for Christ on recess. <laughs> use that recess as your mission field. And I guarantee you will probably have more gospel conversations than the adults in this room. But also, my adults here, friends, don't let this world put a muzzle on you. You are a follower of Jesus. You have permission from your king wherever you are to lift his name up. Don't grow silent. Don't grow weary. This world is perishing, but we have the message that can raise them to life. See, as I think about my time here uh, well, in ministry, really, in the time that I have left, I think about what can I do 
that's really going to impact a community like East of the River, where the median income uh, throughout the rest of uh, Washington, D.C. is like 100000 The median income in Ward 7 and Ward 8 is 47000 It's just astronomically spiritually poor, I mean, uh, financially poorer than the median income, but also there's a gospel poverty that's happening. A lot of the faith, faithful churches that were once there, they're either dwindling through attrition. A lot of their members are, are getting older and older and getting to go to see Jesus, which we praise God for, but then they're not leaving behind other faithful members to carry up the cross. There's, there's, there's many generations that have left the church. And then there's other ones that are compromising on the gospel, sadly. They once held it firm, but they're beginning to uh, uh, compromise on the gospel in various ways. And then you have tons of false teachers and all that there. So, so there's economic deprivation, but there's that spiritual deprivation that's even most concerning. Now, there's 100,000 options that people would put before me. Start this thing and, and do this thing and, 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 you know, get this 501c3 and do, 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 do. Like, they list them out and do this. That's going to make an impact. And here's the thing. All of that stuff is already in that community. There's already tons of stuff like that in that community. And I praise God for that work. But you know the one work that's really going to make an eternal difference? It's this gospel ministry right here. It's the, it's the message of Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. That is the secret sauce. That is what can raise the dead to life. That is what can reunite fathers to their children, turn the hearts of fathers back to their children, that can, that can uh, bring people who are lost and make them found dead to life, death here, that can show people the way out of cycles of generational poverty and lostness. It is the good news of Christ that transforms everything. And so that's what I'm putting my, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. And brothers and sisters, please keep, in, keep putting your eggs in that basket here. Because the 828 area code, right, 828? The, <laughs> the 828 area code, what they need most from you is the gospel message and second to that is a life that reflects that gospel message. A church that reflects that gospel message. Brothers and sisters, keep proclaiming that good news. Keep representing it here. Keep, keep gathering and keep scattering faithfully and let God add the increase. Because what I saw this morning is good news at work in that baptismal pool. And I believe that God will keep doing that work to the ends of the earth. So what can make all the difference? We is a people that aren't impressed by the flesh, but that are impressed by the gospel message and gospel messengers. And that's what's gonna empower us to take the gospel from here to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the good news the good news that you would reconcile yourself to us by offering your son and through raising him up from the dead on the third day atoning for our sin rising again so that we could have fellowship with him and you through the spirit Lord I pray that you will be with New Life Community Church 
may they hold on to that good news and lift up your name all the way till your son returns and what a day of rejoicing that will be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.